Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Yeah, notes. Speaking of notes, ushers have uh, some paper notes. If anybody wants to take the paper notes, please raise your hand. Also, while they're coming, if you forgot to pick up your communion cup, uh, please raise your hand as well. They'll have communion cups. They'll have paper notes. And everything will be working out here real soon. We're going to go to uh, Daniel chapter 5. If you have your phone, you can pull up that church app there. Go to notes, and you will see our notes all printed out there and ready to go as we jump into the message here on counterculture. Today, we're going to look at a great story, and we're talking about being weighed on God's scales. So let's open with a word of prayer here as everybody's getting everything that you need ready to go. Father God. Today we have heard from you. We thank you already that, Lord, you've spoke to our hearts. We thank you that you've heard from us as we've worshipped you. Now in the last few minutes here of this morning, we pray that, God, you would speak once again by your Spirit, opening the Scriptures, speaking to our hearts, our minds, our spirits, and getting a response from us today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, is everybody getting ready here now? So when was the last time you took a hard look at your business, your family, or your personal life? For me, this last 10 days has been kind of interesting. Two weeks ago, uh, the tax man, you know, my CPA says, okay, it's time. So I had to go to the tax man and say, okay, you're giving an accounting for the last year. All right, okay, that, I, can, I can do that. Done that numerous times. Then I get a call from the doctor's nurse. And she says, hey, the doctor wants to see you. And I said, what? Yeah, when's the soonest time you can come in? Uh, I, 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 today, I guess. Yeah, well, why don't you come in? The doctor wants to talk to you. Uh, okay. What would that do for you? It's <laughs> like, okay, well, I, I'm a little older than some of you. So it's like, for me, it's like, what? What does the doctor want to say? And so I get in there. And so the doctor finally comes in. I'm sitting there. I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. It's like it was for five seconds. And he says, well, what can I do for you today? What? Doc, you called me. <laughs> he says, oh, we just called you because twice a year the insurance wants us to check up on you. So how you been doing? <laughs> oh, gee. <laughs> okay, I'm all good about that. Yeah, that's good. Now, today we're going to look at a story as we continue in the book of Daniel uh, on counterculture. We're talking about counterculture. And we're going to look at a story of a hand whose fingers wrote a message on a wall for a king who had not taking a good hard look at his own life, and he did not measure up. Now, a lot's transpired in the, the book of Daniel since the beginning when Daniel was taken as a captive in Daniel chapter 1 from Judah. Now today, chapter 5 of the book, Daniel takes a huge leap in time of some 65 years between chapter 1 and chapter 5. Last week, we looked at chapter 6, which would be a little bit further on, but the king there was Darius. We're going to introduce him as we go backward just one chapter in chapter 5. We immediately find out that the name of the king is now Belshazzar. Historically, this is interesting, for this man is not mentioned as one of the kings of Babylon in history books. So what we really have here is a prince, the son of King Nabonidus, ruling as a king while his famous father is finishing a 10-year military campaign in Arabia. While dad's away fighting, the army of the Medes and Persians come up. 
led by Darius, and they, they decide to conquer Babylon. This is important to the story now. The story this morning deposits us right at the outset of this battle as the invading army is going to surround Babylon. The atmosphere is one of confidence inside the city as the self-assured deputy ruler gathers his nobles about him and they're having an orgy of wine. Let's go to Daniel chapter 5. It's in your notes there, verse 1. We're reading out of the NLT. Here's the story. Many years later, King Belshazzar gave a great feast for 1,000 of his nobles, and he drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking the wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver cups that his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. He wanted to drink from them with his nobles, his wives, and his concubines. So they brought these gold cups taken from the temple the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. While they drank from them, they praised their idols made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, stone, suddenly. Now, I had worked this out with my grandson. Right now, the lights would go off, and in the curtain behind me, a white glove would be writing out these words in, you know, black light. And we both thought that that wasn't cool. So anyway, suddenly, they saw the fingers of a human hand writing on the plaster wall of the king's palace near the lampstand. The king himself saw the hand as it wrote. And his face turned pale with fright, his knees knocked together in fear, and his legs gave way beneath him. That guy had a fear attack. <laughs> Now, in the next few verses in the chapter, Belshazzar calls in his sages to explain the writing. No one succeeds, even though he promises them they'll be the third ruler behind, behind the king and himself. They'd be the next ruler in line. The failure you disturbs the prince king even more. The queen, it's uncertain whether she is the grandmother or the queen mother, she remembers Daniel. She speaks highly of Daniel, as Nebuchadnezzar had done, and gives them one suggestion. Check this out. Daniel 5, story continues, verse 10. But when the queen mother heard what was happening, she hurried to the banquet hall. She said to Belshazzar, long live the king. Don't be so pale and frightened. There is a man in your kingdom who has within him the spirit of the holy gods. During Nebuchadnezzar's reign, this man was found to have insight, understanding, and wisdom like that of the gods. Your predecessor, the king, your predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar, made him chief over the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers of Babylon. This man, Daniel, whom the king called Belteshazzar, has exceptional ability and is filled with divine knowledge and understanding. He can interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. So finally, king listens. He calls for Daniel, calls him to interpret the strange writing. The king repeats the offer of wealth and kingdom prestige, and Daniel just ignores it all, but he interprets the writing. So let's continue as he interprets now that handwriting on the wall. Daniel 5, verse 25. This is the inscription that was written. Meany, meany, tekel, and parson. This is what the words mean. Meany, 
God has numbered the, numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tickle, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Now, if you were king, and that was the interpretation, and you had been shaking, your knees were shaking, and your legs gave way in fear, and that's the interpretation, would you think your life is just about over? I would think so. Now, despite the pronouncement, Belshazzar goes ahead, and he gives all the promises to Daniel, but right at that time, the Persians invade the city that very night, using the strategy of cutting off the water above, and so the moat surrounding the city is empty. The soldiers walk right in, conquer the city that night, and they kill Belshazzar. That night, everything is fulfilled. Great story. What's the meaning of the story? That's what we're going to talk about today. The story is clearly meant to show you how God can and will hold individuals accountable for the sin in their life. One day, we are all, you are going to be weighed on God's scales, and the question this morning is, will you be found wanting? Will you be found wanting? Hebrews 6, 1 and 2 says this. It's talking about eternal judgment as one of the basic doctrines of the Bible, eternal judgment. It says, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. That's elemental, that is just fundamental to, if you're in church today, you should hear about that. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, plural, water baptism, Holy Spirit baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, that will be in the last day, and then eternal judgment. I want to talk to you a little bit about eternal judgment this morning. Everybody smile at me for two seconds. Smile, okay. And I'll smile at you, okay. Now we're talking about eternal judgment. All right. <laughs> Trying to make it light, but it's only sort of light. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? I hope that you all this morning could say, I could pass that test. Jesus Christ, yeah, I know him. I've made my commitment to him. I've made my decision to serve Jesus for the rest of my life. I'm good with that one. I can, I can pass that test. If you haven't, then we're going to talk about that this morning. But really, the whole thing about eternal judgment comes down to something so simple Live a life ruled by the word of God and you will not fear eternal judgment. It's so simple. Live a life ruled by the word of God. Did you hear that story about a young man? Of course you haven't because I just made it up. Did you hear the story about a young man who failed the test at his work, his first major assignment? So he texts his boss's secretary, would you listen to me? I've failed everything. Prepare the boss, to which the secretary replied, the boss is prepared, prepare yourself. <laughs> yeah, okay. When you come in, go right in and see him. He's waiting for you. Self-examination. That's what we're talking about this morning. It really doesn't need to be a morbid thing. 
wasn't morbid when I went to see the CPA for the taxes, but it's necessary. It wasn't morbid when the doctor finally said, what are you here for? <laughs> Rather than, here's what I got. It wasn't morbid when you go to see a doctor and you get a, a physical, a checkup. It isn't morbid when you in, have some time of introspection and say, how can I adjust my life? What do I need to do to change my life so that I'm in line with where I want to be and where God wants me to be? You, as you examine yourself with the power of the Holy Spirit, you can make it any adjustment that you need to make. 2 Corinthians 5.10 gives us this little challenge. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. I'm glad Pastor Ben came up earlier and had you clapping and shouting and rooting. Yeah! Because now I'm looking inside your spirit here. <laughs> the Word of God is kind of looking inside of you and said, okay, everything you've ever said or done or thought, you're going to be judged for that one day. And I've got a great simple answer for you in just a minute to that question. Am I going to be judged for this? But let's look at these things. What are you going to be judged for? What are you going to be accountable to God for? For what is God going to hold you accountable? just want to look at Quick three things here in the last remaining minutes. And my last point is very long, so don't get too excited. All right, number one, what is God going to hold you accountable for? Number one, your words. Your words. Matthew 12, listen to this now. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. At this moment, you ought to be saying, oh, God, help me. Your words. Everybody slips up with their words. Here is what we're, God is expecting of you, that you understand your words are going to acquit you or condemn you. Ephesians 5.4, it's not in your notes. You could write it down. Ephesians 5.4 says this, obscene stories, foolish talk, Coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. So what are you going to be accountable for on that last day, that judgment day? What is God going to hold you accountable for? Things that come out of your mouth. Second thing on your notes there, your actions. Your actions. 1 Peter 4, verses 3 through 5, says this, if you're following along with me. You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people do and godless people enjoy. Their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. Of course your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge, plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. But remember that they will have to face God. 
who will judge everyone, both the living and the dead. So not only the things that come out of your, la, la, your mouth is God going to hold you accountable for, it's also what you do. Your actions, are they godly or are they ungodly? Are they according to the culture of the world or are they according to kingdom culture? You're going to be judged. So let's go now to Revelation 20. I said this is my last point, And boom, got there in two minutes. But here's where we're going to sit for a while. Revelation chapter 20. If you don't have it in your notes uh, and you don't have the notes up, if you have your Bible or your phone app, I really want you to look at this passage with me. Revelation 20, as we're going to dig into this now, talking about, number three, your decisions. Your decisions. God is going to hold you accountable for the decisions that you make. Revelation 20. And I saw a great white throne and one sitting on it. So this is now in the end of the book of Revelation. We have a couple ways we could look at this. Either a thousand years has transpired between his coming and now, or this is the end of day. I kind of like to think this is the end of day. It's all wrapping up now. I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. Jesus has come. Everybody's reporting now before him. Here it is. The earth and the sky fled from his presence. New heaven, new earth. But they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books, plural, were opened, including, singular, the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead. Death and the grave gave up their dead. And all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second or final death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the singular book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. All right, let's get into this now. So here's the story. Last day, Jesus comes. This is how I'm looking at this passage now in Revelation 20. Jesus comes. We're all going to stand before the great white throne. Here's the, all the dead are there. All right, here's Father God sitting on the throne. And okay, here we have... Let's see, what name would not be in the church this morning? Anybody? I'm trying to think of a name that I could use to make fun of. I, I don't want to use Ben. I don't want to use Miguel. And I don't want to use Cody. Let's say Fred. Is there a Fred here this morning? Do we have Fred? Okay, Fred. Fred's now standing before the throne. Okay, now, here we have the great white throne, and all that are dead are standing before the God, and now here it is. Fred, would you please come forward? Fred comes forward. Now, on this side, there is a book. On this side, there's big books, plural, all right? So, Fred, is your name in the book of life? Angel, look, Tom, he's recording. Fred, 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 I found Fred. Ah, oh, Fred, Father God smiles. Good, good, good. Okay, now in the books, tell me what Fred did his whole life, okay? Well, Fred did this, Fred did this, and wait, 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 there's a bunch of pages that are blank here. Okay, and then Fred did this. Oh, there's more pages that are blank. Here, here, Fred said this. Oh, okay, okay. And then, oh, and, and, oh, mm, mm, aha, okay. And so, Fred, according to all that's this, this is what you get, and you can go. You are rewarded. Come over here with the sheep, and you're rewarded with eternal life. Fred goes, oh, praise God. Oh, and he's over here with the sheep, and he's having a good time. 
for eternity. Next one that comes up, somebody give me a name. What? Luke? Someone, okay, Luke. Is there, we got any Lukes here? Okay, great. Okay, Luke, you're next. Okay, Luke. Luke, come forward. Luke comes forward. Okay, Tom, is his name in the book of life? I don't see Luke here anywhere. Oh, Luke, I got bad news for you. Tell me about Luke now. Well, Luke did all this. Man, these pages are full. Did this, and he did this, and he did this. Luke, I got bad news for you. You got to go with the goats over here. Next step is eternal fire. Where, which I prepared for the devil and his angels, but it's the only place outside of my presence for all of eternity. So Luke, I'm really sorry you didn't uh, respond to the moving of my spirit while you were alive, but you got to go that way. Sad message for Luke, right? Here's the story now. You, let's put your name in there. You are now standing. You're standing before the great white throne. God's going to look at your life. First thing he's going to see, did they decide to serve Jesus? Did they decide to give me their life or not? Tom, tell me the story. They did. Ah, Father God is smiling at you now. Now let's open the books. And okay, well, they did this. They joined Canvas Church on this day. And then, uh, well, there's some blank here. You know what the blank pages are? Forgiveness. Yeah, it's when you ask for forgiveness because Father God says he'll never remember your sins against you. So here we go, okay, all these blank pages, oh yeah, this is great, but look what they did here. Oh man, they had this ministry, they had these gifts, they helped these people, they did these things, and Father God is going, oh, great job, man, you did what I wanted you to do. This is wonderful. You see, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is God's job. He's faithful. He will do it. All he wants you to do today is to confess. All he wants you to do is repent. You repent. And I'm talking to every single person in the room. There isn't one single person that doesn't have to come up to this standard here, including the speaker here. We're all going to stand before God. And if we have not used the first John 1, 9, then we're in trouble. If we've used first John 1, 9, ha, ha. Now we're in grace, and God is so good. He's forgiven us, and he actually has forgotten it. It doesn't even get recorded in the books anymore. He has that big eraser and wipes out all the stupid stuff you ever said, all the stupid stuff you ever did, all that junk. It's all erased. And now you can stand and boldly come before his throne knowing, yeah, God, I know. You've forgiven me, and I am so grateful. Handwriting on the wall said, Meany, meany, tekel, ufarsen. You've been weighed in the scales. Worship team, would you come? You've been weighed in the scales and you've been found wanting. This day, God is going to hold you accountable. As we're thinking of this now, I could think of no greater thing to do than, would you take your cup with me this morning? As you take the cup now, we're going to have communion together. I want to remind you what 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says as you prepare your heart, as you prepare the elements now. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 
For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. When you walked into the room this morning, and if you're at home right now and you have some elements available to you, great. But when you walked into the room, we handed this to you. We didn't put you through a test and said, have you repented of your sins lately? Okay, now here's the cup. We didn't do that to you. This is what we call an open communion. This is where, if you want to, you can partake. But let me give you this little challenge right now. The word of the Lord says, if you partake of this time in the church service, if you partake of this sacrament now, and you are doing it in an unworthy manner, you're guilty. You're guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. So we soberly come to this time. So then, 27, 28, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. I've challenged you scripturally this morning. Three areas you need to be thinking about. Your words, your actions, and your decisions. I plan right now to give a moment, and I'm going to do it, where I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Somebody came to me recently and said, I've been a Christian a while, but is there anything that I need to repent of right now? And I said, God is God, and if he wants you to repent of something, the Holy Spirit can convict you. And if he doesn't convict you, then you're asked for forgiveness when you accepted Christ. We'll cover that. So right now, would you reflect, just you by yourself, anything I've said recently that I should repent of? 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is there anything that I've done lately that I should be ashamed of? 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if you have never made the decision to follow Christ, you can do that right now. It's the best decision you'll ever make. You will find new life in Christ. You'll find a fresh beginning. All your sins will be forgiven. Your guilt will be washed away. God will never remember it against you. Have you decided to serve Christ with the rest of your life? The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Bible says, but God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
And the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord, then you can be saved. So right now, while we're thinking of this, let a man examine himself. We're doing that right now. I'm gonna be quiet for just a minute as the musicians play. If there's anything that you need to confess, right where you're sitting, just you and God, you can pray in your heart to the Lord right now and say, God, forgive me of this, forgive me of that. Do this right now, please. that you've made. Have you decided to serve Christ with your rest of your life? I would like everyone to repeat this prayer with me now if out loud in case there's anybody here that's never received Christ as their Savior. We're going to do that right now and you can pray this and you can become a Christian today. The Spirit can come and live inside of you. You can have a new life. Your old past can be forgiven. You can establish something new with Jesus and not fear judgment. Would you follow me to this prayer? Father God, I come to you. Cleanse me. Wash me. Forgive me of all my sins. I confess Jesus as Lord. I receive him as my Savior. Thank you for coming to me and forgiving and forgetting all my sins. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. The passage in 1 Corinthians goes on and it says, Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under judgment. Let's lift the bread before him right now. Let's just open the top part of the cup there and there's a little wafer inside. If you would just hold this up before the Lord as we pray now. Father God, we thank you what Jesus did. He came, he died for the sins of the world. He died for our sins. That if we would ask him, he would take away our sins because he already paid the penalty. And we can now have forgiveness. Thank you that the books are clean now. We have sins that have been forgotten by you, and we thank you for that. As we reflect on the work of Christ in our life and what he did as he went to the cross and took our sins upon him, we reflect on that now as we eat of this bread. Let's eat together now. remember the blood of Christ 
sufferings that he took upon himself as he allowed people to beat him and stick a crown of thorns on his head and carry the cross to Calvary spear thrust into his side blood and water flowed out we think of all those things now as we say thank you God thank you for what you did the penalty of our sin was upon you and we now have the righteousness that comes as a free gift from you nothing we did to deserve it your grace and your grace alone as we confess our sins would you lift the cup now? Thank you for the blood. The blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. As we partake together, let that juice be a reminder. You are forgiven. Let's partake together. stand with me now Father God I recognize it's a sobering thing to examine our life our mind, our speech our actions our decisions but now we're on the other side and we are so grateful Lord God we are so grateful for your forgiveness. We are so grateful for the power of the blood of Christ walking, working in our life, cleansing us from all sin. We thank you that our sins are forgotten now, never to be remembered anymore. We're going to stand holy and righteous before you on that judgment day. And we thank you for that. We thank you for that. We thank you, Lord God. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.